Hi, welcome to this Property Life podcast. I'm Mark Winship. I'm a property investor and mentor, and each week my friends and I will be speaking to a very special guest about their adventures in property. This week, I'm talking to Chris O'Hare from COH Property. Chris has dedicated the last two years of his life to growing a portfolio of rental properties that have helped him to achieve a level of financial security that most people only sit and dream about. In this episode, we hear Chris talk to us about how to manage your time when you don't live near to your investment area, the use of social media to raise angel finance, and the power of a positive mindset. Chris's work ethic and passion for the process of investing in property is truly infectious. Let's hear now from Chris O'Hare. Chris, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, thank, thanks for giving us time out of your busy schedule to, to come on and talk to us. That's fantastic. Um, there's, there's a question I'm itching to start with, if that's okay with you. Um, okay. As you know, as you, as you know very well, it's a hot topic in property investment, this idea of passive income. Um, I think I'm right in saying you've been operating for just over two years now. How, yeah. much, would, how much would you say your 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 property portfolio generates for you in rental income in a typical month, if there's such thing as a typical month at the moment? Well, well first of all, that, that, that comment of passive yeah. income, I've never worked so hard since I've been having this <laughs> passive income, is all I'll say. I thought, I thought you might say that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it, it certainly beats working nine to five, uh, but truly passive income, I think that's a that's, that's hard thing to, to, to generate if yeah. you want the, your money, money to work hard. Um, Obviously, there's lower levels that can be completely passive income. Yep. Uh, my cash flow per month? Well, you're very personal. In with a personal <laughs> question there. <laughs> um, so when I've got through this cycle that I'm currently working on, it'll be just over 9,000 uh, a month, so about wow. 105 a year. Fantastic. That's brilliant. And how did you go about raising money for, you know, to build that, that kind of a portfolio in, in a relatively short period of time? It's, uh, well, a few things. I had a little bit of my own to start with. I refinanced my PPR. Uh, so I had a couple of what I'd say case studies. So from day one, I started sowing seeds, we call it. So yeah. every single thing I do, even before I was buying anything, uh, viewing swirly carpets, smelly houses, all, all on Facebook, Instagram, just sowing seeds. So people are going, what's he up to? I didn't know you, you did that. 4am starts on a Saturday are a good one. People just go, are you mental? <laughs> so I think it's that kind of thing, just sowing the seeds that you're doing something extraordinary, something yeah. that most people don't do. And like, and he's still doing it and he's doing it again. And he, alongside that, uh, I got started. A, uh, so I had my case study, my first buy to let that I could fund, photographed every stage of it, went through everything, put it all online again, commenting on every little thing we did, you know, the damp, the, you know, ripping out swirly carpets, avocado bathrooms, all the rest of it. And and kind of just tried to fast track a, a bit of a track record, really. Yeah. So, yeah. So that gave you the credibility. Absolutely. And, and that really helped. That really helped. But even just the viewings, I mean, just going, you know, like I said, setting off at 4am and doing 10 viewings in a day and just talking about what you were up to, that just gets the conversation started. And once the conversation started, that's half the battle, especially if they come to you. And that's led to you working with some angel investors. Is that right? How much have you raised in angel investment? 
so far, 360,000 at wow. the minute. Fantastic. <laughs> what I've got. Yeah. So there's been a few come and been paid back, come and paid back, but that's what I, I've got at the moment. And st still looking, still need a, about another 110, something like that, just to fulfill what I'm doing at the moment. But what was it that gave that. you the confidence to to start working with angels? Because I know for, for people starting out on the journey, that's one of the things that I think people are, are most apprehensive about. What what sort of uh, gave you the confidence to to take the plunge and start talking to angel investors? Oh, baby steps again. So I knew from the start that if we're going to, you know, when you see things like the, you know, where, where you, you know, how leverage can help you accelerate what you're doing. So from the start, it was obvious you need angel investment. So, and it, like, so if I started speaking to an angel investor on day one, I'd have been, wouldn't yeah. have known, had a clue what to say. And you kind of just grow into it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, your first discussions are a bit fluffy, but they, they don't mind because they know that this is early days in your journey and it's a small amount that you're talking about. So you haven't got to be quite as slick on everything you're saying and have everything a hundred percent nailed, yeah. but just start doing it. And, and you get a lot of, you know, it's like anything, you get a lot of no's, but they're no's for now. They're not no's forever. I've had angel, especially the wealthier people. See, the surprise to me was in my day job as a designer, I've got yeah. lots of wealthy clients. None of those would invest in me. I thought nailed on, they'll be the ones who are investing in me, but they know how to use their money. They, yeah. they've, they've already quite sophisticated in what they can do. It's, you know, it's your family, your friends, your friends' friends, your fa friends' family. They've all got 20 grand, 30 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand if they've, you know, had a, um, a, sadly a death in the family or something and sold the family home. So it's just starting those conversations across a whole breadth of people. So again, it's like, you know, it's like your properties. You don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, and, and just constantly... Like I said, sowing those seeds, constantly putting your Facebook stuff up and, and just building that track record and credibility. Yeah. yeah, that's really good advice. So to take you back to the beginning, as it were, I'm sure it feels like a million years ago now, but what was it that first kind of made you start investing in property in the first place? Well, God, it does feel like a million years ago. <laughs> I mean, it, it's crazy. Two and a half years and yeah. my life is, my life and my, my, my headspace actually completely different. If I go back to 2016, I had I had one buy to let. Okay. So I always say it took me, you know, 50 years to buy one and then yeah. just <laughs> smashed it in, in two yeah. years since. It's, it's crazy. But, um, you know, the, I, I, like most people, you know, I, I was working away, following the plan, putting a little bit. I didn't have a big pension pot, but a little bit in my pension pot. And with my business, I've got, you know, a, a nice lifestyle. And just in my head, I thought, 55 to 60 that's when i'm going to take it easy and, and probably yeah. semi-retire at, at best um or, or at worst and, and preferably retire so when i did hit 50 i started looking at the the numbers a little bit firm i firmed them up a little bit and it looked like if i'd worked till 60 i was going to get about six grand so i don't know it wasn't even that it's about five four five grand a year which just made retiring at 60 a non-starter. I mean, I, I had in my head a little figure of 30 grand would keep the roof over my head, the mortgage, a little bit of traveling, look after my daughter, you know, pop to see my daughter when I wanted, like an easy, very modest retirement. And that weren't happening on four, four grand a year. So, yeah. all right, then I thought, well, I'll have to work till whatever it was, 67 or something. And even then, 
when you add the nine grand that the government kindly gives us after a lifetime's working for them, uh, it was about 17, 16, 17 grand. And uh, to be honest with you, it shocked me. I mean, it's one of those things until you sit down and do the figures, you actually, yeah. you assume the story's correct. Right, I'm going to work. I've worked hard. I've had a reasonable career. And, uh, and I worked out to get that 30 grand, uh, I'd need a 30 grand a year. I'd need about, um, depends on what kind of pension pot, but anywhere between three, eight to an 800 in my pension pot, yeah. which was not going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, tell us about your first property deal. So the first, the first property project that was a genuine investment, how, how did that go? Yeah, so that was a three-bedroom centre up in the northeast. Um, actually, a Mimo deal. So we took out, right. uh, I think it was about 700 quid on that deal, uh, as well as the equity and then cash flowing around 210, I think it was now. Fantastic. But it was, um, it was. Uh, I kind of, I know you're not supposed to, but I kind of fell in love with it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you yeah. always do with your first one. Yeah, well, I kept, I kept seeing it as, if that was in London, if that was in London, if that was in London, and obviously that's nonsense. It's, you know, it's up in the Northeast. Uh, but now I just, you know, we just view them as little grunters. I mean, that all, all of those ones in the Northeast took a while to settle. Mm. Um, we had a couple of problem tenants and it's cause I was too eager. I was too eager. Right. I was, you know, it, overlooking some red flags and things like that to get somebody in the property, to get it generating money. And but now they've just settled down, and I don't really hear too much about them. Got a touch in, touch of damping in the first property now, yeah. Uh, so we're just getting that fixed. But brilliant tenants in there, they're going to be there 10 years, they're absolutely fabulous. So I'm doing everything I can to keep them up. So, if you had your time again, what would you do differently then? Well, to be honest with you, it, it's uh, it's gone so well. Mm. <laughs> I, I, if I was going to go back, uh it's kind of all went better than I expected. Yeah. So, you just mentioned that they took a while to settle. I just wonder if there was anything oh, you do oh, differently yeah. in that sense. Just a little bit more confidence that, you know, you chose properties in the right area with the yeah. right demand and just, so what, yeah, what was the thing? I left it to my agent completely to my agent and uh, they sat empty for a, the first one sat empty. I think it was about eight weeks. And they're going, oh, there's not many, not many viewings. It's a quiet time. So mm. I started panicking. I've just made a massive mistake. And uh, so I just, uh, I spoke to somebody else who invested in the area who was more experienced than me. And she just said, sometimes you've got to step in and take control of it. Yeah. So, and that's exactly what I did. I took in, I, I put my own ads up on open rent, yeah, which fed through to right move and everything. I did the Facebook groups. So I, I just treated it as though the agent hadn't done any advertising. And lo and behold, within about a week, we had like, you know, 15 viewings and we got the first tenant from there. Great. Okay, that's great. So fast forward then to... But because of that delay, like I said, I kind of leapt in with, who, with yeah. that tenant with a bit more confidence, sort of, you know, there's 15 in a week, maybe let's go another week and really go through the, the detail. Yeah, that makes sense. So fast forward to today, what does your portfolio look like now and, and what are you working on at the moment? So it's a mixture. We've got uh, buy-to-lets in there. So this could be one thing that I may have not done. So I do a, a little round robin round, round England, basically. I, okay. 
I drive up to the northeast for buy to lets, over to Manchester for professional HMOs, down to the Midlands for student HMOs, and back home. <laughs> okay. But the 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 way the, the good thing about that, obviously, it sounds like an awful lot. But if I was just driving up and down to the northeast, that's still a 500, 550 uh, round trip. That little dog leg round only adds about another hundred miles onto the the journey. Home home being where. Where are South you based? East South East. Okay. Can't you tell by my accent. Yeah. <laughs> you never know where people end up, though. <laughs> yeah, South East London. Um, so uh, the, the good thing about that, and what was good during things like COVID is different strategies, different areas. So the things that worried one area didn't worry another and things like that. So it gave me some comfort there in that sense. Okay. And like I said, in reality, it wasn't that much of a, an, an additional drive around. How did you juggle that with your, presumably you were still in your full-time job at that stage. How did you juggle the viewings and, and being able to spend that kind of time in your investment areas? Yeah, so I've, it's my own business, which obviously helps. So, uh, I mean, it's a tiny business as me and one other full-time guy. Yeah. Uh, but I would do lots of weekends. So leaving as early as I could on a Friday or super late on a Friday, one or the other, uh, do what I could on a weekend. If I couldn't squeeze in a viewing, I had somebody up in, in different areas that would, if it was a property I really liked the look of from, from online or if I'd seen it outside, whatever it was, uh, and they couldn't do the viewing on a weekend, I'd get somebody to do a first stage viewing. Right. And if that came back positive, I'd take the day off work and I'd drive up specifically okay. for that and tie a few things. But I wouldn't have done a speculative viewing taking right. a full day off yeah. Got you. so i'm lucky that i've got some flexibility but you know i still have limited time that i can take i still have to work within kind of like four or five week holiday kind of total yeah okay yeah great well what would you say has been your favorite deal to date Ooh, um they're all different i mean your first buy to let when you get that valuation that makes it me more well yeah actually you turn incredibly greedy because i thought but i i got exactly what i asked for but actually in the run-up to it i thought god we could get another 15 grand here and then he didn't he just <laughs> give me what i asked for so that just shows I always go a little bit higher than than yeah. uh, you, you really want that feeling is amazing uh your first hmo when you do the staging photos i mean yeah. the feeling of accomplishment is phenomenal and actually every time because i i like to uh again this is part of my angel um uh hunting is i i get professional photos for all my h oh no actually i did my last hmo one uh i'm a graphic designer so i've got a nice camera yeah. and i've seen enough photographers doing it so they, they ended up really nice but get get really nice photos of your, your things and again it goes into your angel hunting uh, but that feeling of a when you do the staging is yeah that's brilliant, and yeah the what the the latest one which is a commercial project and that's going to be eleven apartments that just walking around it's it's currently like an it was a nine nineteen bed used to be a hotel then it was a um, drugs misuse hostel uh, then it fell into disrepair but walking around that is just a labyrinth yeah look yeah. 
Brilliant. I mean, it's so, I, 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 I'm still at that stage where I love the process. And every, I mean, I love a rip out when it's ripped out. It looks brilliant, especially <laughs> the ones we do in the Midlands where we take the floors and the walls and everything else. So it's literally yeah. a, a shell. Back to brick. Yeah. 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 It's, it's uh, Meccano for big boys, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it sounds like you're absolutely flying, but um, I, I'm sure it hasn't been completely plain sailing. What, what have been some of the challenges that you faced along the way and, and maybe even some of the mistakes that you might have made? Well, Thankfully, and touch wood, if I can find some wood, I'll touch it. Oh, no, I can't find any wood. I'm so super... I'm not really superstitious, but I don't like to tempt it. Um, we've not had any disasters, uh, but we've had lots of close calls and lots of minor set, setbacks, which can be back to back to back to back. Um, I, I remember I had a refurb going up in, on, on up in the northeast, and I drove up specifically for the snagging... Uh, how many times? Four times? Three? Four times? And each time he hadn't done it. And each time I'd spoke to him two days before and saying, are we definitely on for this weekend? Is everything okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. come up, see you then, see you then. I drove up there. He goes, oh, we've just had a terror. I'm like, so your whole weekend is crabbed. I've had other weekends where I've literally had a whole, you know, I've had viewings, I've had meetings, I've had, and the whole thing was cancelled. So you've done a 550-mile round trip, uh, booked hotel, uh, you know, it's your weekend after a hard week at work, and literally nothing positive happened from it. Uh, but we've not had any disasters. I mean, we, we've had surprises. You know, we uh, had a utilities thing where the utilities company quoted me like seven and a half grand to sort the problem. But a day on the phone and we got it for free. They came and hunted it for free. Okay, again. that's the result. Um, the other the other day, uh, one of my HMOs, um, there was there was multiple water supplies to the building, and it had been capped off. And my builder sent me a video of water literally pouring into. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. the basement like like a swimming pool it was probably about nearly a foot deep in water and i'm just like oh my god and they're like this is less than a year after a full refurb and but you know thankfully there's already a grid in that particular basement for whatever reason and uh it's probably gonna have cost me a hundred quid all in so that's lucky that's yeah it. so yeah we've not you know we've not had any absolute disasters or anything like that or any yeah. really big surprises. Um, we always put a bit of a contingency in anyway, but yeah. very rarely have had to use it. 
Speaking of surprises, what's the strangest thing that you've seen on a property viewing? Oh my God. Uh, oh, well, too many train spotting toilets to, to mention. Uh, one property I went in and in the, in the lit, so it was, a, it was just a terraced house, went in there, in the front living room, there was uh, about three mattresses. So they're obviously sleeping in there. In the, in the second reception room, there was mattresses all over the floor. They had a kitchen at the back. The front bedrooms had like three mattresses in each. So I've got how many people are in here? I went in the bathroom and there's a guy asleep in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Literally at that moment, yeah. So yeah, geez, yeah. Fantastic. I mean, I mean, other things. I mean, we've there was one property we pulled out about fifty. I think it's fifty or sixty four-way extension leads. So instead of a rewire, they just run four ways all around the walls and everything absolute death trap for the neighbors on either side that's an absolute death trap crikey i mean there's a lot of people that will describe um property investment actually as being quite a a lonely journey if you like and and quite a a single-minded kind of enterprise who would you say has been the biggest inspiration for you on your property journey oh i mean it is. It is a. For, I'm a solo investor, so mm. for, for people like me, it's massively. I mean, my mentor has has just kept me focused, made me put good stuff in my head, um, consistently keeping me awake. You know, getting rid of the noise, keeping me focused on the on the strategy and the direction of what we're trying yeah. to achieve. Um, so you know, no brainer. Mark, Mark, my mentor is just fantastic. Yeah. Um, but then it's all the way through. I mean, you know, your build teams in your different areas are just you know gold us and the great lads and and you know you you can you know you, you have a beer with some of them. Some of them it's a bit more transactional, but you you know you, you build relationships all the way through other investors in your area. I mean, my my thing is just net. I mean, it's difficult now with COVID, but yeah. Just network every kind of networking possible. Just just crack on. So be yeah. that formal events or meeting other investors for coffees or it's just that 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 network you build around yourself. I mean, I was just on um, WhatsApp this morning with another investor talking about stuff, uh, and she just really helped me out. I mean, she has constantly helped me out lots of things, but helped me out specifically today. And that's just because we met up and had a couple of coffees and the, you yeah. know, at the time there was no big, there was no big reason to apart from, you know, widening your network and it's a reciprocal thing. You know, you're there for other people as well. Yeah. You mentioned there about working with a mentor. What, what, what role has education played in your, in your property journey? Oh, well, without it, I mean, my, 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 the, the bite I bought on my own, I st- actually, I won't beat myself up over that because I did a lot of things right, yeah. but it was purely by chance and in a fantastic market. I mean, by the time I was ready to complete the, the, you know, the notional value had gone up by about 30 K. I was just right, praying right. the vendor didn't look at right. Move <laughs> he just wouldn't have sold it. Yeah. Uh, but that, you know, that's totally chance in a, in a cracking market. Uh, education. There's no way I could have been as quick or as profitable or, had the comfort of, you know, knowing what you're doing. I mean, it's, you know, there's a great saying, you know, um, it's simple, but it's not easy property investing. And as long as you follow, follow all those baby steps, the, the, the compound effect is huge. And the, you know, so I'll show pictures of all these things and 
people are going, how the hell do you even begin? And you, you start with your baby steps, but that's education that teaches you yeah. what those baby steps are. And the fact you do do baby steps, you don't, you don't leap in with a big com commercial conversion or even on the simplest buy to let deal, there's, there's a, a way to get, you know, the whole thing, you know, find the right area, get it below market value, add, you know, uh, add appreciation and refinance. I mean, just that simple process didn't even occur to me on my first one. I, you know, I had, had money left in it. I didn't add equity in it that I wasn't using it. And all that accelerates your, your journey and just, yeah. You know, yeah. So you don't know, you don't know what you don't know at the no. end of the day. And, and, and people say, you know, um, yeah, but when I've done the course, um, are they going to be asking for more? It's to me, it's con continual professional development. I still get trained now. I mean, I, I know people 12 years in the game, they still have mentors above them. You, you always surround yourself, you know, you want to be the stupidest or most inexperienced person in the room. And that's my, my goal all the time, which yeah. ain't hard. That's a, really, that's a really good point though. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, if, how would you say that properties changed your life? What has it done for you? So when I did the training, I, I knew I'd get tactical property specific information. So I knew here's how you do this. You go here, you do that, you bring in this, you do. So I knew that that was a given. What I genuinely didn't realize was, uh, the, how big the network is and, and, being surrounded by so i'm from i'm from salford in manchester and we sit around and we moan about everything we just moan about everything we're cynical uh you know and in some ways rightly so because not a lot of good happens to a lot of people from from where i'm from uh but it's almost self-fulfilling i've still got some friends who still sit there doing that yeah and wallowing in it and then it's almost you know they wait for that bad thing to happen and go i told you so you know and even you know what is it to say a broken clock's right twice a day yeah whereas surrounding yourself with people who are positive like-minded it just fills you full of confidence and, and motivation yeah and then the other thing is putting good stuff in your head i mean <laughs> i had read maybe since leaving school when i six uh 18 or whatever it was when you leave school uh i must have read maybe one book a year on holiday like you know and it had just been you know it had been a fiction it would and i've probably read 30 40 books in the last two years yeah. all about you know self-development mindset you know keeping you going you know there's just a, a wealth of books that totally change the way you see the world yeah uh, you know it's it's all part of a jigsaw the books on their own wouldn't help you but when you see, you read it in the books and you put it into action and you see it happen in the real world and you, it's like a, you know, it's the compound effect again. Once you get the ball rolling, I'm, I'm a completely different person now than I was two, three years ago. Absolutely. In, ev in every way, from a financial position, from a positivity, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I, I, I seek out people to, who can help me and I help them. It's a reciprocal thing. Yeah. <coughs> so and even even viewing relationships from prior to then the dynamic is very different yeah and even my, my design business the way i view that now it's completely different the way i look at it i i was almost um i almost felt trapped in my yeah. previous life about by my day although it's a, it's a great job and uh it's given me a good living, 
I definitely felt trapped behind my desk. And I see it completely different now. Because once you've got choices, you can see you see things calmly and with, with, a, with a different perspective. When, when you're trapped, everything's almost threatening you and attacking you. But when yeah. you've got choices and you choose to do something, the way you view it completely changes. So I yeah. see a very different plan for my design business than when I started. I mean, I just wanted to run away and retire at 60. Yeah. Uh, and, and even when I started the property journey, that was it. As long as I get X amount of money, buy them 60, boom, I'm out of here. I just don't think I'll ever retire. I'm just loving, yeah. I'm absolutely loving everything I'm doing at the minute. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. That's a really interesting point because my, my personal background is in um, elite sport and sports coaching. And we talk a lot about this idea of transferable skills. Hmm. So whether it's mindset skills or, or athletic skills that you're developing through sport that actually benefit you in other areas of life. And it's really interesting to hear that outlook that, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people getting into property are so desperate to sort of sack the boss or quit the day job. But actually you're talking about the fact that the skills, if you like, even if they're mindset skills that you've acquired through property are actually benefiting other areas of your life and even other businesses and, and the work you're doing outside of property. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. So what's the one piece of advice you'd give to somebody then that's just starting out? Ooh, um, surround yourself by good people. Uh, and that's on every level. That's, you know, financially motivation, you know, morally. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a long journey and, and your reputation is, is your big, you know, one of your biggest assets you know, I, I would never to, you know, there's, there's, there's things where you have, you know, you have the blue pill, red pill kind of situation, yeah. quick book there or do the right thing, do the right thing every time, do the yeah. right thing. It, it pays dividends in the long run. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really a spiritual person or anything, but karma, I think definitely plays a big part in everything. Yeah. And you talk about surrounding yourself with good people, but do you find that social media makes that challenging sometimes how do you use social media in your property business i solely use social media in my property property business for angel hunting okay it's nothing else me it's not a document of my journey it's not a it's not necessarily what's and all mm. uh it's a angel hunting sowing right. seeds uh yeah. so you know there's times when you know, i get riled up by something political and i start writing and because uh, oh, in 2016 I was a Brexit ball, believe me, really? I, oh, I banned myself <laughs> from talking about it because it's outside of my control. And that's another yeah. thing with with the whole mindset thing: focus on what's in your control. Yeah. And you know, you know, when it comes to vote, you vote for your whichever way you want to do, and that. But that's yeah. all you can really do to that, unless you're going to become a real activist or something. Which I wasn't. Yeah. I was yeah. a bore. I was just yeah. turning into the biggest <laughs> bore ever pontificating about everything and i've got friends who still do that you know yeah. four, four, four or five years later still moaning about the same thing and nothing's changed to them but they've done nothing about it either so it, yeah. you know but uh yeah so for me i i just it, it, it it's uh it's very much focused on that okay and, right. and everything I, I i post is kind of you know you're either building up your lifestyle side. It sounds very cynical, <laughs> but I'm just seeing, I, I see social media is different because I do, I don't like 
the personality people have on social media. It, yeah. It's, it, you know, the, the, there's not um, accountability for a lot of things people say, etc. So yeah. I don't buy into that. And that's not what I, why I'm on there. Yeah. It's very much uh, showing people why I'm doing it. So stuff about my daughter and things. And, it, you know, yeah. at, at the core, it's all true. I'm not lying about anything. Yeah. But it, 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 it's, um, it's very much focused on that. So it's not necessarily a direct pitch for angel investment. It's just around yourself and what you're doing and, and, uh, and, and what, what you're up to, basically. I, I never ask for angel investment outright. Yeah. I may say, if you want to get involved, DM me. But I've done that a couple of times, and I found that's the worst way to do it. And other okay. people are really blunt about it. And maybe that works for them. doesn't for me. If I, if I put up a big reefer for, um, series of photos... So one of the things I did, and I think it's a really good tip, is get yourself a good camera with a wide-angle lens yeah. and photograph everything you do. So yeah. you get really nice. Because reefer pictures, we get used to it, but most people never see a yeah. reefer of a rip yeah, That's true. And they're like, going, wow. And you, especially I'm because I'm a graphic designer, so I can take a photo from the same place and I'll have the rip out stage blending into the finish stage and it just blows people's minds. Yeah. If I do one of those posts where it's a rip out or, you know, I've just bought something that looks impressive. I get three or four DMS, not necessarily from people who like your post, you know, uh, click the likes for your post either. There's a lot of watches. I found my angels, a lot of them are watches. So they don't get involved, but six months, 12 months in, they go, I hear you doing this. Uh, I see you doing this thing. It's, it looks amazing. And you're like, you haven't liked one post I've done, you sneak. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. So, um, the, oh, God, lost my train of thought. Though. Well, it's so true that you just never know who's watching. We had a very similar experience, actually. Um, LinkedIn, I think it was. Someone had never engaged with any of our content, never liked to post, never commented, called, called me out of the blue, and, and actually uh, is a, a significant private landlord and, and we're we're managing and operating a number of service accommodation units now just off the back of that one phone call but uh, yeah never engaged with any of our social media content so you just never know who's watching no absolutely but it's that it's that consistency as well it's well it's like everything we do in in, in properties well we we just climbed um ben nevis the other uh, there in well, i don't know where it was august or something right and i was just going who who is it have they arranged this because the analogies between this and property, have they done that on purpose? Because, <laughs> you know, you look at the mountain and there's no way you're climbing up that mountain. Yeah. So you take your little steps and it's little steps, little yeah. steps, little steps. And then somebody's got a leg, so everyone helps them. And then along the journey, you don't just focus, you just stop and you have a look at the view halfway up. You've got to enjoy the journey. Yeah. I'm just like, this is property, yeah. you know, distilled. Um but yeah, 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 that's a great point. So, what's next for you? Where do you go from here? Uh, the the uh, eleven apartment commercial conversion. That's okay. Where, yeah, we're on that. So that'll well, be tell us a bit more about that project then. Yeah, so that that's in North Manchester. Uh, yeah. It's in planning at the moment. I okay. I spoken with planning beforehand. They're saying that there's definitely you know no issue getting it. So I didn't buy it subject to planning. Which okay. <laughs> a gamble, but it, it really fits within their local plan it, yeah. Um, yeah and the the planning officer who I spoke to knew the property he he actually reclassified it back in the day uh, to a hostel and he said you know as long as we stick to you know guidelines around distances and things we'll be fine yeah and what's the end product going to be with that 
nine one bedroom and two two bedroom apartments great just let on normal long let yeah yeah so i mean basically that's uh i see that as a buy to let strategy on steroids yeah yeah (laughs) brilliant well that's an exciting one to get stuck into and then on the side i'm just doing a six bed hmo like you do yeah just as a a side hustle yeah, well, that one's two doors up from one of my other ones. It's the, it's the same building. So I went to the viewing. I was actually going to my other one, and, I, and the board went up. I hadn't even seen it because they hadn't had it online yet. And I just knocked on, spoke to them, asked could I view it. And while I was viewing it, obviously, the agent comes running round, And um, I just put my offer in there and then because I knew what the build would be. I had everything in place for it. I knew exactly what the demand, the rents would be. Um Obviously, they rejected it because it's a bit of a cheeky one. But by the by, the next day, uh, I'd secured it. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So that's just a cookie cutter job. Yeah. So I'll do the same team. Obviously, I'll still, you know, I, I when I'm doing a build, I tend to go minimum every fortnight. Okay. Uh, and and walk around with the builder and and yeah. what's happening there. I try every week because there's normally a couple of projects on, but at minimum every fortnight, uh, even if I trust them, yeah, some of the things. I mean, I've had handles on doors the wrong way around and uh, all sorts of things. But uh, yeah, so that, that, that hopefully, touch wood, and it's, you know, uh, yeah. I, again, I don't want to tempt it, but that, that should just be, you know, uh, that should sail through as a project, you know. Fantastic. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You've certainly inspired me and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will feel exactly the same way. If people did want to um, get in touch with you or follow your progress, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, COH Property on Instagram or Christopher, I don't know whether I'm Chris or Christopher on Facebook. Okay, perfect. Chris, thanks so much. Appreciate your time. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Take care. Speak to you soon.